happy Monday, everyone. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, it was fun for my family and I to finally be back with you, uh, whoever um, you know joined the outdoor service yesterday. Uh, we were unable to attend um, because of health things, health-related things, but we're thankful that we were able to be back yesterday to be able to uh, worship and hear God's word and sing with you um, all. If your Bible is please open to Exodus chapter 5. This is going to be our new study this week through um, the book of Exodus. Um, we're just going to try our best to go through verse by verse throughout this entire book. I anticipate that this book is going to probably take us about maybe more than half the year. We'll see. Uh, but it's just uh, something that just for me and my, for my own personal study through this has just been really edifying and encouraging for me. You know, in life, there's bound to be upsets. Uh, upsets are uh, just a natural part of life, and it goes in every realm. And one particular event that is known as one of the greatest upsets in sports history was during the 1980 Winter Olympics. And that particular event, uh, one event uh, stood out and was highlighted. It was America versus the Soviet Union. And... Uh, at this time, this is, you know, I mean, hockey, it's like, you know, Russia's sport. And I think Americans generally aren't that big. I mean, there's a hardcore group of people in it uh, that enjoys the sport. But generally speaking, most people aren't really a fan of it. But for this one particular event, everyone was on board. Um, there was America versus uh, Russia. They even made this into a movie called Miracle. Um, everyone was watching it. And, there were, and a lot of people that were attending and watching this saw this as almost like a almost like a, a battle of ideologies, not just between like two countries, but even the philosophy of life, you know, the USA versus Russia. So they saw this as democracy versus communism. So there's like some political tension going on in this. And this was an upset for the Russians because they really wanted to win and America also really wanted to win. And I think Russia, the Soviet Union was ex the expected uh, one to win and they lost. And um, and one commentator about this whole sport event said that when the Bulls win, Chicago only celebrates. Or in our, maybe in our context, when the Golden State Warriors win, people in the Bay Area celebrate. But in this particular event, when the U.S. team won, all of U.S. celebrated. And again, as I said, upsets can happen in every part of life, particularly uh, it is particularly disappointing in the context of ministry. Ministry, you know, we're called by the Lord to serve in any and every capacity. And sometimes when we do ministries, um, things don't go out the way that we hope. Things don't go out, don't, re don't result in what we hope for. And that's just the reality of life. And this is, I want that, this little anecdote to be kind of in the back of your mind because we're going to see that here. You know, if there's anyone that would be disappointed uh, by, um, but in ministry at this point is Moses. Uh, you recall throughout the uh, you know, first few chapters, Moses was um, a Jewish person, grew up in an Egyptian home. Uh, he was delivered by the Lord. Uh, the, the Pharaoh at the time was afraid of the Jews and their growing population, so he decided he created this edict to go and kill all the boys. And Moses survived providentially because uh, he was put in this basket or ark and it delivered the, uh, Moses' life. And he was able to you know, grow up, even raised by his own mom for a while, and then into the uh, Pharaoh's court. Then he was um, 
you know, eventually had to leave because he uh, kind of self-exiled because he he committed murder, and um, he ran, and for about forty years he eventually um, encountered God in the burning bush in chapter three, and God tells him that he he heard the cries of the people. He's going to use Moses to bring people out of Egypt, and chapter four. Last week we learned about how God is going to give him unique abilities to be able to go and prove that he is Yahweh. And not only that, but that um, he is the one true God and he wants his people to leave. So when we get to chapter 5, we can see the outcome of this. So today I'm just going to go walk through this text and then, through, and then on Wednesday and Friday I'll give us some um, points of application. So chapter 5 verse 1 and afterwards Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh thus says the Lord the God of Israel let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness now again this was really cool about this part of the text if you're taking notes in the Bible this is actually the very first time where someone says thus says the Lord Um, this is the beginning the first really prophetic message when people say this is what God has told me and Moses is the first one that says that he I mean there's you know Genesis there's those instances but this is the first time where where uh, God speaking to Moses is saying, okay, you need to tell what I say to other people. And he tells them that they want to celebrate a feast. Again, the, the initial intent of this was supposed to be that uh, they go out for three days and then they come back. Uh, but then we'll see in verse 2. But Pharaoh said, who is this? Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? go. I do not know Yahweh. And besides, I will not let Israel go. So again, this is Pharaoh um, not caring about who God is. And this is exactly what God said would happen. Um, and again, if you're, if you're Moses and you're Aaron, and Aaron you might, you're probably seeing all this and you're thinking, wow, this is exactly what God said. This is how powerful the God is that we worship. But then, verse 3, Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three-day journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. You know, the irony about the statement is that Moses and Aaron are saying that, okay, God's going to punish us if we don't do this. Uh, but in reality, the only people that are going to get uh, punished is actually the Egyptians. Verse 4, But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look at the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their labors. Again, this is Pharaoh thinking in terms of like, economically speaking like there's so many people in labor in this task force or not task force but in, all, in their labor force the, all these jews you're telling me that i need to tell everyone to stop working it's going to wreck our economy and he tells them go back and tell them go back to work uh so the same day pharaoh commanded the taskmaster of the people of the foreman saying you are no longer here to give the people straw to make break as previous let them go and f- gather straws for themselves but the quota of bricks which they were making previously you shall impose on them. You're not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so that they will pay no attention to false words. This is kind of a way of Pharaoh punishing the people. You know, he's saying now, even though like moments before that, he's saying, like, hey, this is going to tank our economy. Uh, but Pharaoh at this point is like, no, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to put this harder difficult rule on them and they're going to still have to meet that quota um and you know essentially when it's like don't give them the uh, straw to make brick that's essentially telling them uh there's no way that they can no resources there's no ability for the jews to be able to continue on with whatever projects they're working on 
Verse 10, so the taskmaster of the people and their foreman went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I am not going to give you any straw, and you get uh, and you, uh, you go and get straw for yourself wherever you can find it, but none of the labors will be reduced. So the people scattered through all the land and Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmaster pressed them, saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Moreover, the foreman, the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmaster has set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount, either yesterday or today, in making brick as previously? So again, this is the result of that. Uh, the Israelites, again, the, uh, sorry, like Israelites were already persecuted. And then now, because of Aaron and Moses, they're like doubly persecuted. Their, their, their task is, um, they have more things to do with less amount of resources, and they're beaten for it. You can see how hard this is if you were just a Jewish person just minding your own business. And these two guys said, hey, we need to leave this land because our God, the God of our forefathers told us to go and worship him. And now they're getting beat. And you can you can imagine just being disappointed, frustrated, angry at these two individuals. Um, and you, and okay, verse fifteen. Then the foreman of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, "Why do you deal this way with your servants? There is no straw given to us servants, that they keep saying to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are being beaten. But it is the fault. But it is the fault of your own people." But he said, you are lazy, very lazy. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. So go now and work, for you will be given no straw, and you must deliver the quota of bricks. Foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. Now, this is kind of funny. Like they, So they were beaten. It was funny it's funny because it's like, just, to, just picturing it in my mind is funny because it's like they, they get beat, they get told to do much work, and they go out and then you see so the Aaron and Moses who are not working standing there and like, so how did that meeting go? <laughs> it obviously didn't go well. They imagine they're like disheveled and you know, bruised all over. Verse 21, they said to them, may, the, may Yahweh look upon you and judge you for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of the servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now you can imagine Moses, he just told the people, let, uh, let them go. And then sometime later, he comes back thinking, hey, why didn't it work? Uh, why didn't all of the things that God told us work? Um, and this is what he does. Verse 22, then Moses returned to Yahweh and said, oh, Lord, why have you brought harm to those people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people and you have not delivered your people at all. Now, um, he is essentially complaining to the Lord. And, it's, and you have to acknowledge the humility here in, in the book of Exodus, especially for Moses, because he's actually revealing to you his doubts and his struggles. Um, he's someone that saw the burning bush, and he saw some a little amounts of miracle, but he doesn't know God the way that he should, the way that he will know God. This is early on in his you know, life as a Yahweh follower, and he's he's questioning what's going on. Like did he did the did he miss the calling? Did he not understand? Did he misunderstand what God wanted? And he's asking God, what's going on here? And then now I'm gonna jump into chapter six, verse one here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion he will let them go, and under compulsion he will drive them out of his land. 
So God gives him this assurance that even though things did not go the way that he was hoping, he's going to give them assurance by who he is. Um, and then later on in chapter 6, he'll explain his character and he's going to show them why he is the one true God. So that's disappointments in this chapter. You know, you can kind of see a little bit of that. Um, and for this week on Wednesday, we're going to look at how there's, when you're dealing in ministry, especially in the context of evangelism, there's going to be unbelievers that doubt. They're going to doubt your claims of things that you say about the Lord. But also, on Friday, we'll end this week by looking at how even believers at times struggle with doubt. And how do we overcome with doubt is going to be the um, what we're going to try to to um, work through this week, how to deal with unbelievers that doubt, and even how to deal with your own personal doubts in your own walk with the Lord. I hope this is helpful. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.